are your hosts, Shelby and Matt. Yes, oh my gosh, Shelby, and it is the end of summer. Summer is gone. Oh, this wow, is two yeah. seasons now that we've survived coronavirus. It just... <sighs> I know. Oh, yeah. It's September 1st, technically, now, this release date. That's so wild. Mm-hmm. That's just so disappointing. <laughs> oh, what a year. What a sad, sad year, and especially this week, I guess. It's just the bad news keeps rolling in. Well, and, and to start the bad news, we didn't get any reviews this week. <laughs> so, people, <laughs> come on. sad. We need some pick-me-ups here. We're losing steam. Motivation. No emails, no uh, <laughs> no reviews, and we braved a movie theater for you guys. Ooh, so, yeah. like, where's the respect? That's true. I guess I didn't. I kept that on the DL, so maybe people didn't realize how committed I was. I should have been more. Oh yeah, I was. Proud. I was telling. I was uh, also sort of like, should I post all that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, the sad news this week is obviously Chadwick Boseman passing away, which was just such a shock to me, and it just. I mean, I'm usually not like, I mean, this sounds callous, but I feel like celebrity death is something that's pretty easy to kind of remove yourself from because it's not personal, but it really like hurt. I was like so sad. I think just because it was so surprising to learn he obviously was gone, but also that he'd been struggling with cancer for so many years and no one knew. And that's just sad to think about going through that and feeling like you have to hide it. And also all the comments on his weight or energy levels or whatever, just all feel a little iffy now. Yeah, I was sitting on the couch and I got like text messages from, well, I was FaceTiming a friend and I got text messages from a bunch of different people that were like, Chadwick Boseman died. And I was sort of like, wait, what? Like, it was just so abrupt. Because yeah, you're used to dealing with, I think, celebrity deaths. But a lot of times it's either like an older celebrity or someone who, you know, you feel like maybe lived sort of a rougher life. So if if they're in a car accident or, uh, you know, a drug overdose or something, you feel like you've had some inclination that like it could possibly happen. But with him, he was so young and so vibrant and he had been in so many successful things these past couple of years. I mean, we had just talked about him into Five Bloods that it was very, yeah, yeah, shocking. And then to realize that he'd had colon cancer since 2016 and that he had shot all of these movies with yeah. cancer was, yeah, just like mind blowing. I know. And it was, I mean, a good excuse to revisit some of his work. Cause yeah, I mean, to five bloods, like I, I remember seeing 42 and like, obviously mm-hmm. Black Panther. And it's just like, you look at his, his uh filmography and you're like wow he really uh he really did a lot of like good films instead of just settling for a slew of paychecks or whatever so well and i was like um you know i thought that 21 bridges looked like crap so i didn't go see it now i'm regretting that should i watch it now maybe it's great i think it's showing on it's airing on showtime so if you want to add it to your list of streaming in memoriam i think that was being spread around on Twitter because ABC did Black Panther for free. Obviously, it's on Disney Plus for subscribers. And then a bunch of his movies are available throughout the different streaming services. Somebody texted me and was like, do you think that there's a likelihood that Chadwick Boseman gets not Oscar nominated for Five Bloods now that this Mm. has happened? 
And I was sort of like, uh, maybe, but that role's so small. But then I was looking at his upcoming movies, yeah. and he's in something that's coming out uh, that doesn't have a release date yet, but it's called Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Mm-hmm. And I looked it up, and it's a Denzel Washington produced. Uh, what he signed up to produce nine of August Wilson's plays in various film forms after they did that with Fences, which obviously mm-hmm. did really well. And so this is one of those, and stars Viola davis and chadwick boseman and i was like i have no idea what this movie is about or what is like happening in this movie but this feels like a very likely oscar nomination if it's good and his performance is good yeah no i'm excited to see it i think there's been a lot i mean everyone was talking about it just because the cast is so huge but now especially in light of chadwick's loss it's like people are very excited to see that film if if we ever (laughs) if it ever comes out in a normal year or if we're it's going to be delayed a little bit more because of covid but well i think it's a netflix movie so oh, right i don't think that it should be affected too much although you know some of like the post production things or whatever um who knows but yeah yeah so i mean it's been a pretty heavy week and obviously that's sad news but there is also a wave of protests again, um, this time in response to the shooting of Jacob Blake, who was an unarmed black man um, who was shot by police in a town called Kenosha, Wisconsin, which has now become sort of this hub of protests and riots and a lot of crazy vigilanteism and just, uh, you know, further proof that there's a lot of unrest in this country. But what I mean, I know we have tended to sidestep uh, serious (laughs) topics on this podcast just to bring some levity to your week. And I think also, you know, we're more focused on pop culture aspects than a lot of political aspects. Mm -hmm. But um, there was an interesting crossover this week when the NBA or the Milwaukee Bucks specifically, they decided to go on strike on last Wednesday. And so... They refused to play their game in the series, um, which led to this sort of ripple effect where the NBA took the night off as these teams all went on strike, which is interesting because right now they're all kind of playing. They're all down in Orlando in this what they call the bubble, and they're all doing this like non-audience <laughs> NBA finals, you know, and it's like mm-hmm. been an interesting experience and the NBA has always been pretty politically active, so there's been a lot about Black Lives Matters, like it's painted on the court. Uh, a lot of the players kneel during the anthem. And so it wasn't necessarily surprising to see this activism in the NBA. But what was interesting is that from this first move by the Bucks, suddenly the NBA went on strike, then the WNBA, the soccer league followed suit. And then surprisingly, the baseball teams also refused to play that evening as well. And um, the tennis star Naomi Osaka, who is in the middle of her, you know, finals, she announced that she was going to withdraw from her semifinals match as well and released a statement that was like, there's more important matters um, that need my attention and your attention than just watching me play tennis today. And so it was interesting too, because this all happened on the four year anniversary of Colin Kaepernick first taking a knee during the national anthem during the NFL game. And so just like a 
really potent reminder of how little things have changed and how much still needs to change. And I think it was cool to see this sort of unprecedented move of solidarity, not only with the NBA, but obviously with all these other sport leagues that, especially something like baseball that tends to be very apolitical and um, kind of stays out of <laughs> things like that. And so I thought, I just thought it was such a interesting choice and like a really powerful statement. And I think they've obviously all gone back to work, I guess. They've all started playing again. And I've been seeing like think pieces and Twitter threads about like, well, did that really make a difference? Like, should they just stay in their lane? Like, what did that really do? But ultimately, I think it did allow for the conversation to be sort of forced upon these audiences that don't always have to grapple with it or think about it. And, you know, similarly, as a little podcast, we you know, don't always have to take the time out to address what we think might be obvious to our listeners. But I think it's important to remind everyone that, yeah, like Black Lives Matter. And this right now, policing isn't really protecting everyone equally. And that has to change. And so I think that was a good sort of push for people to acknowledge that like, these protests are still happening. They've been happening all summer now. And that means there has to be you know, everyone taking stock of what they can do. And whether that's, you know, something as visual as an NBA strike, or just announcing to people who maybe still doubt it that Black lives do in fact matter. It's just an important time to, to really uh, focus on that. And I thought it was a good reminder and kind of a, a nice, hopeful acknowledgement that there is a lot of solidarity um, even in these sort of more celebrity or removed circles where it's easy to kind of ignore the nitty gritty of the day to day life. Oh, yeah. And I think that even like with people sort of questioning the the effect of these strikes, it's like, well, back when Colin Kaepernick did uh, this the first time, like everyone was up in arms. There was so much negativity towards him and anyone who supported him. And I mean, obviously, a lot of that negativity is still there. But if you look at four years down the road, how how some of the positions of a lot of these entities, yeah. these sports teams or players or just kind of like the whole apparatus has moved like a little bit further down the road. So I think there definitely is some kind of effect of spreading this message, even if it's not necessarily like apparent right away. And even though sometimes, um, you know, it's like sometimes it can seem super hollow, which it definitely can be. But at the same time, you never know who you're reaching and who is seeing this. Yeah. So sad news, but a powerful statement. So I thought it was a, a good story to share for sure. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, definitely. And and moving on to an equally important uh, storyline, definitely. Uh, Brad Pitt has a new girlfriend. Have you been following this twisted uh, tale, Shelby? You know, I've got to say I have not. So I'm curious what he's been oh. up to. Well, I mean, so Brad Pitt is 56, and uh, <laughs> okay. he flew his German 27-year-old model girlfriend, Nicole Pocharalski, uh out to California, which seems you know standard affair for the elderly male hollywood elite find a much younger foreign 
uh, model girlfriend and bring her out. Uh, and so people were trying to figure out like where these two had met there. I guess they had been spotted together at Kanye West's Hollywood bowl concert back in 2019. So they had known each other pre, you know, COVID coronavirus. This wasn't just like someone that he stalked on, you know, line while in quarantine. But then the really interesting part of this came out that she is already, I guess, married or in a relationship with a 68-year-old German (laughs) restaurant owner named Roland Mary, who I guess is very wealthy and that they've been together for eight years and have a son. But then that apparently they're in an open relationship. So even though she's with this German guy, she's allowed to be with other people. And Brad Pitt apparently is okay with this because, (laughs) uh, you know, he's flying her out to California. So now there's just sort of this weird, I don't know if it's technically a thruple or... Or, or what's going on, but with Brad Pitt, the model, and a nearly 70-year-old <laughs> German restaurant guy. So, I mean, clearly this model, like, knows what she's doing. She is very capable of getting these elderly rich men <laughs> to, you know, scoop her up. Yeah, is it hard, though, when you look like that, you know? <laughs> I mean, I feel like even if you do look like that, it has to be difficult to get Brad Pitt to be interested in you you know what i mean like oh my gosh yeah how did they first meet and how did she convince him that dating a married woman was a good image choice for him in the midst of a complex divorce (laughs) and then how did she convince this old guy that it was okay that she'd be in a relationship (laughs) with brad pitt like some real negotiations going on here we need to get her involved in politics yeah i mean that's pretty interesting i um I guess I wonder, yeah, like if it's like it's one thing to have an open marriage, but like a publicly open one is is just a whole other can of worms. So it's like, I wonder if it's more that she's like, listen, dude, this is Brad effing Pitt. Like, you know, this is going to happen. So either we can stay married or (laughs) I'll just leave you for Brad Pitt. And so maybe that was the negotiation trick. Well, and at first I thought, okay, maybe the German restaurant guy, you know, he's maybe maybe they've moved past, you know, sort of like a sexually romantic relationship (laughs) into some other kind of, I don't know, something or another. But yeah, but then I was like, but wait, she has this kid with him. So it's not (laughs) like, you know, that was like a green card marriage or something. It's like, no, that was uh, that was in a very legitimate relationship and that she is still in. And it's not like it doesn't appear to me that she's like separated or getting a divorce or something. These seem to be be ongoing coexisting on your like, you know, your celebrity cheat list. Like every couple has that like exception that they their partner would allow them to hook up with a celebrity if they ever were to encounter them. That's like an older person. (laughs) No, it doesn't have to be older. It's just, when you get when you, listen, so when you get married, Matt, um, you just make this agreement with your partner to be true and to be loyal and to, you know, be faithful. But you also have an exception list. So on my list, it's if I were to run into Michael B. Jordan or Zac Efron, I have permission to <laughs> explore. <laughs> said relationship so i'm curious who would fall on your uh exception list you know i don't know i'm not in that situation so i haven't really 
put together this list. (laughs) Can we define explore? (laughs) Like, so would you be allowed to be in a long term relationship with both Rob and Zac Efron, or is it just like a a one night thing? I think I think the idea was that you know the chance of a long term thing is just so far removed from reality that that never crossed our minds. Well, but apparently not. You might want to chat about this. Yeah. contract and see like what what gray area needs to be really ironed out now that there's hope for me mm-hmm. I mean maybe I should just add Brad Pitt to the exception list and see if I too can join his uh harem of married women <laughs> well I think he only has one right now yeah. it's like but it's more of her har- it. harem that's what it means so yeah. <laughs> did you watch any of the vmas yesterday i didn't but i was like maybe shelby did she (laughs) seems more in tune i saw that taylor swift won something and lady gaga wore a bunch of masks um that's what i saw too i really didn't watch (laughs) i um thought about it and i saw some clips and i was like this is just weird and it's just it's kind of like you get the same vibe watching honestly watching anything now it's just everything's just a little too weird and it's either too depressing or it's just like too surreal, like, oh, everything's fine, that you're just kind of like, ugh. So the idea of like watching, like they had a CGI, well, I guess not CGI, they had sort of a weird fake audience that would cheer when people won or artists were announced, which I guess is better than silence technically, but it also just felt weird and like Black Mirror-ish. And then and then you did, you watch these celebrities who were like so far removed from the horrors of COVID and quarantine and the reality of just being stuck in our house for six months on end that it's sort of weird to watch them like show up to a weird red carpet event and like do these social distance <laughs> interviews and then perform and then like win awards for things that like happened a year ago. I don't know. It just is like, it just was too much for me to really invest in well i'm like they they were making a big deal about how lady gaga had all these different masks because she had all these costume changes and i was sort of like how many people were involved in these costumes like who put the who put them together did she have fittings did she have a style team her and ariana grande performed together with all these backup dancers and i was sort of like were you all of you quarantined together was there testing involved like what were the precautions Mm -hmm. taken Mm -hmm. for this whole event Mm -hmm. because i have some scientific questions (laughs) that i would like answered before i know whether or not i can approve of this (laughs) dance number or not because that's the way that we live now and some were like pre-recorded but some were live and it wasn't always clear which was which and then you're just like what am i even watching like what is time and space and have we just you know, refused all rules now? And then on top of that, I think the wildest thing to see on Twitter was like the Getty images, like the watermark yes. Getty images were just of photographers like laptops and phones and TVs as they watched this live stream. So it was just like, honey, like why? Why are we taking photos like this? Like how are you getting paid for these images right now? And it was just all kind of like eerie. And I'm like, I hope this doesn't last much longer. My brain can't keep like justifying these weird choices. I'm like, who's paying for the Getty image when (laughs) I could have just got out my phone and taken a picture of a laptop, you know? Yeah. 
yeah and it's just like they must feel sad that that's what their life has come to but it's also like I yeah just all of it was just a little bit strange and it makes me kind of it just makes me question like should we do these Emmy awards like should the Oscars be canceled at this point honestly like it's just too much it's just too strange I just don't like it well, I've read that the M- that the way that the Emmy Awards are going to work, because the thing with the VMAs is that there's so much of a performance-based yeah. thing that you have to figure out how that works, where the Emmys are not performance-based. So I think that all of the winners, either or all the people nominated, either have the option of pre-recording an acceptance speech. So, you know, obviously you're not going to have the same emotion or whatever, but you could put something together or they would like send a camera to your house, which you would, you know, sit up, I guess, in front of your living room couch. And then if you do win, then you have to give the speech to the camera. No, I don't know. (laughs) I I think I hate that, but I also feel like it could. That's how they did the Survivor finale. (laughs) And I feel like it could lead to some truly wild situations where, like, let's say you were nominated for an award. Like, you're on the couch. Rob's there. Your sister. Like, other people. And then you're trying to give a speech. And, like, there's things going on in the background. (laughs) We're getting to see your living room. I feel like there could be some chaotic good energy in that situation. I'd rather see that than a bunch of, like, pre-recorded red messages from celebrities. I guess that's true. (laughs) I don't know. Those are this month, though, right? They're at the end of September? Yeah, yeah, end of September. Man, that came upon us quickly. I know. Your keeps on keeping on. Um, I... I don't know if you care about this story, but I found it just strange enough that I had to share. Um, Bella Thorne, who oh, yes. is like, I... <laughs> I mean, it's just a funny story. Lots of details that are just strange and, and wonderful to behold. But Bella Thorne has always been like this weird, I mean, she's just like, she was famous on a Disney Channel show, uh, the one Zendaya With was Zendaya. On. Yeah. And so then she went into this like, She's just tangentially famous, but also wealthy and white. And, like, she has a sort of brand of kooky, like, loves drugs and lives in a weird dream house. Like, it's just all a lot. But this week, she um, she got in trouble for some of her continually edgy antics. Um, when she decided it was her duty to bring attention to this web or this... This uh, subscription service called OnlyFans, which, if you don't know, is um, the service that a lot of sex workers use to sell adult content. So basically, you can subscribe to people's different feeds or channels and you get adult content. (laughs) I don't use it. But I think you can use it for whatever. Like, I think that I think that it's just it's it just for paying subscribers. So like if we wanted to start some kind Yeah, like if we wanted to do a separate episode of the podcast, sort of like a Patreon type thing, you could do a video only fans. Okay, we'll we'll look into that. I think the I've platform you can use for everything, but but yes, but everybody uses it for like homemade porn videos. Okay. <laughs> but anyways, Bella Thorne signed up for this. She's like, I have a OnlyFans sign up for to get my nudes. And she promised her a nude image for $200 and she made over $2 million in like a single week. 
which is an unheard of amount on the on the app on the on the service. And unfortunately, Bella Thorne decided not to actually send a nude. It was just kind of a sexy lingerie pic. So, of course, everyone who purchased a nude, as promised, <laughs> then was like, um, this isn't what you promised, so I want my money back. And only fans had to suddenly, you know, that they are not built to have $2 million sitting around that they can then return to, to subscribers. And so they lost a bunch of money and they had to cover all the processing costs. And so the platform decided to suddenly change their, um, their structure. And now they limit how much creators can charge for their content. They, um, they limit how many, how many tips, how high tips can be. And they've changed from a weekly pay period to a 30 day pay period, which of course has angered a lot of people who do use this um, as a major source of income. You know, it's like this was something they relied on and they had their systems in place. And now suddenly because a millionaire celebrity tried to dip their toe into it, the fun's over and it's like they can't get their high tips. They can't charge for quality content and they can't, you know, get paid weekly. And so there was a huge uproar against Bella and she, she decided to explain things. And she said that the only reason she joined OnlyFans was to do research for a role um, that she was in talks <laughs> to have with Sean Baker, who, um, who directed the Florida Project. And, she's and like, then he was like, "No, no, yeah. that no, that was that's not yeah. a thing. Don't don't try to be into this." <laughs> yeah, he's like, "No, no, 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 no." He set the record straight. And so then she apologized again and was like, "Listen, I'm sorry. I didn't, I didn't mean for any of this to happen. But I really felt like I had the opportunity to draw attention to this service and to destigmatize sex work by pretending to do sex work and then not actually doing the sex work that I promised to these people who signed up. So it was all just kind of like very um, confusing. And like, what were you thinking? Like, I had heard of OnlyFans way before Bella Thorne stepped into it. So I don't know if it needed attention. And also, it's like, if you're bored in quarantine, don't go messing up the um, incomes and uh, opportunities for people who are not sitting in their mansions, you know, um, wondering what to do that day. I do think that I do wonder, though, if this doesn't in the long run help <laughs> the people who are already on OnlyFans because yeah. while yes like I knew what it was before this because yeah. you know people make <laughs> jokes about it on TikTok I wonder if there are pockets of the world that would use the site <laughs> but we're not aware of it yet and that now through all these news articles might be like OnlyFans <laughs> hmm, let me see what's going on over here wow, team uh, and then and then when obviously Bella Thorne is not on there, you're like, oh, but whoever, whoever is number one this week, let me click on her <laughs> instead. Yeah, what an optimistic perspective. It's just unfortunate they changed their um, policies the way yes. they did. Hopefully they can come back to it maybe once they get out of this $2 million hole she's created. Um, but yeah, it is kind of a weird blip in celebrity missteps. It's just one you don't really expect. <laughs> 
I heard that she was like posting videos of her eating a hot dog <laughs> as like you know <laughs> yeah i mean she uh, remains like, the strangest celebrity out there like it, you can count on her for just the wild story it's it's but it's at the same time it's like slightly sad because i feel like she's sort of unwell but <laughs> yes well she insists she's fine and uh you know well medicated in the uh hallucinogen department so I think she and she's and she's doing it for a fine. role. It's for yeah, a role with Mar- Martin Scorsese called her, and yeah. it's uh, it's yes, it's it's, it's for it's a, role. All a thing. Yeah, we plebs can't understand. Oh, we could never. <laughs> uh, shall we get into love it or hate it? Oh yes, yes. We were discussing the Emmys. The Emmys are coming up. I've been trying to watch things that have gotten nominated. Uh, I feel like I always am very far behind in all of the comedies and no, I did not watch Mrs. Maisel, but I started watching what we do in the shadows, which is a vampire mockumentary show. Do you watch this, Shelby? No, but I, um, my husband loved the movie. Okay. So yeah, it's based on a a Taika Waititi Mm -hmm. movie that came out in 2014. He's the director who did Thor Ragnarok and Jojo Rabbit this year. I have not seen the movie, but I started this show and it is so flipping funny. It's about these like ancient vampires who are living on in modern day Staten Island and just sort of them with all their weird vampire things like they can't be in the sun. They talk about wooden stakes. They turn into bats, you know, like all the, you know, like old school vampire stuff, not like Twilight things. <laughs> and they wear cloaks and live in this big haunted mansion, but it's sort of like a workplace comedy feel almost, you know, it's a mockumentary. So they're talking to the camera, they're giving weird looks and it is just, it has just been such a joy. I feel like comedy is so subjective, so I don't want to like recommend it to you, Shelby, <laughs> but it is very funny. And the cast are all people that I have never heard of before, but then they have like a, a huge guest star. I swear almost every episode, there's a whole, arc in the first season that is with beanie feldstein being turned into a vampire that's just great vanessa bayer has a really fun episode there's an episode with like a vampire council that has tilda swinton and evan rachel wood and wesley snipes in it i guess there's a mark hamill episode coming up that i haven't watched yet but it is just so funny and I feel like lots of times people tell me about comedies and then I watch them and I'm sort of like, "Ah, (laughs) but this is truly wonderful. And every episode is like giving a different type of thing. There's this like ancient vampire who comes to sort of like live with them named the Baron who has instructed them that they must take over all of North America. And so the three main vampires of the show who are all sort of bumbling decide that like the first step in that process is to go to a Staten Island city council meeting. And it just like it, the jokes just continue to flow out of these weird situations. So would highly recommend to anyone who's like looking for a fun watch while you eat lunch, like 20 minute episode show. Do you think they should do a twilight crossover event though? And like really explore those types of vampires in their world. And maybe Robert Pattinson can even make an appearance. Well, so far they haven't really done much with twilight yet, (laughs) but I feel like, yes, there definitely is room in here for, some kind of episode that 
tackles that head on. And I would love to see, you know, like what is Taylor Lautner doing? Bring him (laughs) on this. He I haven't seen him in anything since the second season of Scream Queens, RIP. (laughs) And I think he'd be great. Yeah, I have heard good things and I, I love Taika. So I feel like it's on my list. I just, you know, haven't found the motivation, but... Maybe not. Well, here's the motivation. <laughs> and the Emmys are coming up. You got time, Shelby. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, to end on a less upbeat note, but Katy Perry yeah. came out with a new album and I listened to it. And it's not great, but it's not witness. So I guess it's a mixed bag. It's called Smile. She's been promoting it for I think over a year. I think her first single, Never Really Over, came out last year. And yes, it has just that was been, out when I was in England. Yes, so that was like it's an, it's a, been a, a year time. and a half ago. <laughs> and so, so that she's been promoting this album. I think it got delayed at some point because of COVID. But then ultimately, she's like, "Never mind. I still want to release it." And so it came out last this last weekend, and um, she'd been talking about how you know witness was such a hard loss for her because it obviously like bombed in such a dramatic way and it affected her mental health and um she really struggled with her self-worth after like that crash and burn and so this album was meant to be sort of a chance to explore those feelings which (laughs) i it it's um good for her process like i'm happy for her that she feels like she's in a better place um she's obviously she just gave birth to her first child with Orlando Bloom um named it Daisy (laughs) so cute and um now she has this album which is which is okay like I think that's the general decision is that most people find this album just okay it's not bad it's not worth mocking but is it worth a re-listen I don't know I think um never really over remains the best song on it And there's like a couple other ones that are fun or at least interesting. But the problem with Katy Perry, I think, that you run into is, I mean, I listened to some of her old stuff this last week just on Shuffle. And it's like she had major bops. Like just she had so many hits under her belt that you just kind of forget about. But then they come on and you're like, yes, like this song is great. I will listen to this all the way through. And this album came out on the 10-year anniversary of Teenage Dream which I think um, kind of <laughs> lent itself to some unfortunate comparisons because Teenage Dream broke the record for the most. It like had five number one singles that came from that record alone. And this album just isn't going to feature that same level of success and boppiness. And I think the problem is when Katy Perry wants to be serious but still do a pop song, the like depth isn't really there. And I don't know if that's just based on who she's working with or her uh, lyricalism, but it just never really, even her like deep cuts or like her anthems, they just didn't feel, they didn't feel sincere. They felt kind of like, but I don't know, patched together. So all in all, it wasn't like the old Katy Perry, like you may have wanted. Um, but at least it's not witness. So, yeah, I think Teenage Dream is maybe the best pop album ever. <laughs> I'm trying to think of like, I mean, there's so many yeah, good hits are, on that yeah. on that album, and even the songs that aren't hits are great, yeah. and or that you know weren't singles. 
And it was just like, I think, yeah, she had like five number ones mm-hmm. consecutively or something. And then Prism was also a really good album. I did not listen to Smile when it came out, but I feel like I've liked the last couple of Katy Perry's singles mm-hmm. that have been going around. But now I'm looking at the album track and they're not even all on <laughs> here. So I don't know what's going on. Like, I really like the song Small Talk that mm-hmm, came out. Yeah. I don't know. Whenever that was, right. that's not on here. Yeah. That one that she had where she was the robot, the 365, that one's not on here. I thought that song was good. So I don't know what she's doing. But also, does Katy Perry write her own music? I don't think so, right? I mean, I don't think so. I think she has influence over it, you know. Can we blame her for this? Like, where's the team that put together Teenage Dream? Like, what are they doing? Bring them back. One of them was Dr. Luke, and he is accused of rape and has been... uh... (laughs) <laughs> oh okay well well so maybe <laughs> is there a is there a new person yeah. <laughs> we could get who's maybe still good but didn't you know right. abuse kesha yeah. hopefully she finds someone to help her out um but yeah i mean if people are looking for songs to listen to on this i think tucked and resilient were the ones that stood out to me but i honestly don't remember either of them now so uh that was just a passing note i saved in my phone so take that as you will (laughs) or you could just go listen to california girls again (laughs) and it's probably for the best well we'll be back on thursday discussing (laughs) the new mutants out in theaters shelby and i both went and saw it we'll be talking about our theater experience also what took this movie so frigging long to actually get into theaters (laughs) and did it work did it not work we'll have all of the inside information until then you can follow us on social media leave us a review please because like honestly get with it and we'll see you thursday bye